What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and the designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to our Pays Me. Today we have Cadence Weapon. So uh, what is it that you actually do? I'm a musician, but I'm also a writer. Um, I was a poet laureate of Edmonton. You know, I'm a DJ, producer, but everything I do usually is around rhyming, <laughs> words, music. Gotcha, gotcha. And you, you've been around for, for quite a while, actually, uh, doing this. So, um, and you're currently based in Toronto? Yes. Yeah, and you, you grew up in Edmonton. Yeah, I'm originally from Edmonton. So, and I, I understand you spent some time in Montreal as well, but what made you make those moves from Edmonton to Montreal or Toronto? Yeah, so um, I moved from Edmonton in 2019. Oh, sorry, 2009. Um, and I lived in Montreal for six years. I moved from Edmonton to Montreal um, specifically because, you know, I had some artist friends from Edmonton who had moved there ahead of me. And I saw, you know, their artistic community and it looked really cool. And it looked like they had a certain level of freedom to be creative, you know, that I wasn't really, you know, feeling at the time in Edmonton. Um, and I just, you know, kind of wanted to, see if I could hang with some like the best artists in the country, you know? So, and I, you know, I saw a lot of the stuff that was coming out at that time where there was like, you know, the arcade fire type stuff. Like I just kind of wanted to be around just like a larger amount of artists. And that's, that's what ended up happening when I lived in Montreal. It was just like, it was like an artist colony. Like everyone I knew was a different artist of a different, um, you know, different capability, different skills. Mm-hmm. It, that that kind of comes out in your music like your hip you you're you're definitely in the hip-hop like realm but i feel very like it's very eclectic when i listen to your music yeah you know i always felt that way when i first started like you know my my original idea for music was like you know why doesn't anybody rap over apex twin mm. you know like why why wouldn't anybody rap over like video game music you know and and I, for me it was just like let me be the person to create the music that I picture and I'm like why doesn't this exist right but then when I moved to Montreal it became this thing where you know it really opened me up to different possibilities where you know just my friendship group we would just be jamming together where it's like I'm in a loft like jamming with like a noise band or something or I'm jamming with like some people who are making experimental electronic music you know and, and just trying to rap over it and then I'm making electronic stuff that, you know, I never released, you know, I did all this creative exploration that no one ever even heard, but it really informed the music that I make today. Interesting. So do you, this is something that I try to remind myself to do actually more of, do you find that you start making, say, just stuff just for the creativity of it and then saying, okay, so this is what my commercial release is going to be, but I'm keeping this other stuff in the tuck for ideas. I mean, I think maybe that's what I used to do back in the day, but like nowadays I just make songs and I don't really have any specific goal for them when I make them. Like I'm just recording 
kind of consistently. And then I noticed that there's certain groups of songs that are thematically similar or like, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm tapping into a larger vibe and then I'm like, okay, maybe it's album time. You know, uh, when, I, when I notice that happening. Right. Right. That's actually interesting too. Cause when I start thinking about like visual collections of things that I make, sometimes I put too much pressure on myself to like, okay, everything I design for the next little bit has got to be in the same vein but maybe it's like just make stuff and then see what happens and it'll, it'll kind of create its own vibe and its own time yeah for sure like i mean it, i used to be a lot more rigid about it you know like when i made my first album breaking kayfabe you know i had these i started with the album the song titles right i started with the song titles <laughs> and then i would write lyrics and i had no music yet I had not made it made a, a beat yet. And then I would make the beats based around the feeling of these themes. And I was like, I didn't make any extra songs for that album. Like it was just like those 12 songs or what it is or whatever, you know. Um, but I changed my approach in the last like maybe six or seven years. Right, right. No, uh, I'm actually I'm gonna take that lesson. I'm gonna take that and, and zip that up and use it for myself. Uh so how did you figure out that this is what you actually wanted to do for your life? Well, I feel like it was kind of my fate always, you know, like it wasn't really, I never decided one day, like I was just always creative, huge music nerd, just like always searching, you know, for different, like the most weirdest music I could find. And just, I, that was just my fun. You know, that's like what I always did with for fun was I just go online and I'd just be like, you know, downloading different albums or like, you know, on YouTube or whatever, like just, I was always searching. And I, I think I got that a little bit from my dad. My dad was a radio DJ in Edmonton um, mm -hmm. on CG, CGSR. And um, so I kind of grew up just with this archival mind state, you know, it was just like records were just always in my house. He's always playing hip hop. And I just became like kind of um, obsessive about rap. Like I, I listened to every album that had come out at to date when I was like a teenager, you know, like I just was, uh, I became like a rap encyclopedia and I, I would read the source and like double XL. And it was just like, rap was really all I cared about, you know? And, you know, it, it was, it, it just became like, I was just rapping in school. And then suddenly like, I was like, found my friend who could record and like, you record me. And I just like be rapping in people's uh, basements and apartments and stuff. I'd, you know, I, I'd rap with my uncle's funk band, you know, like he, when I was a teenager, like he brought me, I was like 13 and I was just like holding like an index card with like the first line for each verse that I had. So I could remember the whole verse, you know, like, mm -hmm. you, you know, it was just, um, it was all I ever wanted to do was I just wanted to make music. Right, right. So actually, I wanted to congratulate you uh, on the Polaris Prize that you just recently won uh so i guess it's like what third third time being nominated or something yeah it was my third time on the short list and my fifth time being nominated because i've been on the long list for uh, all my records geez, yeah. geez, geez. so how did, how did that feel to 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 get that validation you know it felt really good i mean i definitely was really proud of this album in particular like i definitely went all out i tried to just make the best thing i possibly could not that i don't every time but i think i'm not you know, I'm not necessarily always in the best space to make the best music that I can. And I mm -hmm. think in this particular instance, when it was a pandemic and it was just kind of like, I'm isolated, I'm not touring, I don't have other obligations. 
you know, I was just so in the zone for this record. And I felt like I was able to translate the ideas and parse everything that I was absorbing in a way that maybe I didn't have the ability to when I was younger. You know, I feel like it's really a refined version of like my older records. And mm. I feel just really proud of, about it because like the themes that I'm talking about are so of the moment and I, I was able to turn it around really quickly. And I feel like it has a certain sense of urgency that I think will maybe make it last the test of time. You know, like it feels like people will be talking about this record in the future. And that that's always my goal is to have like right. longevity in what I do. Right. I mean, and, and not to say the pandemic is a great thing, but would you say it like, it just seems like it helped you lock in certain. Oh, me. I love the pandemic. I absolutely <laughs> love it. It's so great. I'm so glad the pandemic <laughs> happened. No, I'm, I'm joking. But um, just for my process, it's actually been quite um, fruitful. You know, like I made an album. I'm nearly finished writing a book. Like it's just moments where you're able to like slow things down are very helpful to me. Right, right. So the, the album is called Parallel World. What is the meaning behind that? There's a few meanings. I mean, initially I was thinking like, you know, music for me is like such a great escape. And I can really just like, it's like you can leave your terrestrial body and go somewhere else in your mind. And I felt like during the pandemic, I wanted to try and do that for people and try and just like make some like kind of fantastical worlds that people could kind of live in and, you know, put their focus in right so there was that way of thinking of it but then for me the main meaning is like you know you can be walking down the street and there's it could be one other person walking down the street and you could be on the same street in the same city and you guys you can live life completely differently depending on your race right mm -hmm. and so for me that's the parallel world like it's like you know i'm living in the same world as uh ed rogers <laughs> You know, like some super rich white man, but you know, we live our lives quite differently and we're treated, <laughs> we're treated quite differently. So um, that's really the crux of what the album's about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to dig into some of that, Ashley. So one, I thought it was interesting that you said what you do with um, some of the resources you have to, to um, organize voter registration. Thought that was interesting that, um, you really you you put you're being about it like you're not just talking about it you're being about it and um you had some some shots at that Trudeau about the uh wearing blackface but not facing blacks <laughs> exactly yeah you know um I realized definitely over the pandemic you know I became more politically engaged I think like a lot of people have um, I was the first time I really went and, you know, I would go online and I'd watch like city council meetings and really see, you know, the cogs uh, that make the machine work. And what I realized is that, oh, they don't want us to be engaged. This whole time is like they prefer us to not really be politically engaged, because once we get engaged, you realize this is why old people always vote. Right. Like mm -hmm. they're like it, it works, you know, and they get what they want, you know, and it's like if unless you know we'll never have things change and unless we become more engaged in that way so i became a lot more passionate about voting and particularly um engaging people who are like from disenfranchised communities like you know i live up on eglinton near little jamaica and like you know I, i'm really interested in throwing some events up here where it's like people from all these high rises near here who maybe have never been engaged in the voting process um can 
kind of understand what's the importance of getting into something like voting for a municipal election. You know, like this is something that is really ignored by most people in the city, but it's super important. Like, you know, for example, the whole idea of like being allowed to drink in a park legally. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we, if we had a more progressive city council that would have gone ahead, but instead we have this super restrictive, like outdated city council full of people who, if you look into the history, like they barely, they barely won their position. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, because we're not really engaged and we're, you know, there's not enough people who are younger or more progressive or like more diverse, um, who thought that they could run for a position like that. So, I want to just do whatever I can to empower people um, to think differently and become more engaged with the political process in Canada. Mm. You said something interesting about like older folks getting what they want. Do you think it's because like maybe you have more people that are that have more free time or they're retired or whatever, so they can kind of sit down and actually pay attention to this stuff in a way that younger folks can't? Oh, absolutely. That's a big part of it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think one of the other ways is is because they're old enough to remember when not everyone could vote. Hmm. So I think they can appreciate it a bit more. Like, you know, like women, the suffrage, suffrage movement, like that wasn't that long ago. You know, like in America, you know, that's part of civil rights struggle was being able to vote, you know? And then once we were able to vote, they start changing the rules, making it like really hard to uh, get to your polling place or make it really hard to, you know, like they keep moving the goalposts, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, older people remember that. And I, I think, you know, especially, you know, older people are more um, risk averse. They're often more likely to be homeowners mm -hmm. and uh, they don't want their property values to go down because of decisions like uh, having, you know, a shelter in their neighborhood or something. So they're the people who are the, the NIMBYs, you know, mm -hmm. not in my backyard who are like, yeah, um, they're they're calling the city councilors. They're they're calling the mayor. They're like sending letters. Like they're super politically engaged because you know their livelihood is so connected to it, and and they have time. Mm -hmm. Young people, yeah. young people, young people are the people who are delivering your Uber Eats. Mm -hmm. You know, like young young people are they have to grind because it's like we can barely afford to live in the city in Toronto. You know, mm -hmm. so you know I think that was one of the interesting side effects of the pandemic is that. You see, especially like musicians and artists who, you know, weren't able to tour, you know, and were able to like shift their attention to, you know, political and social ideas. Um, I think hopefully we see some really interesting results from that in the municipal and provincial elections coming up. Mm -hmm. Dope, dope. So um, I want to dig into one song, particularly from the album that it's kind of more like an intro, I guess, Africville's Revenge. That's talking about um my region i'm out in nova scotia so uh what motive what was the impetus for including that are you have nova scotian connections i i don't know but the reason why i got into that was i was writing an article for this publication hazlitt uh about little jamaica here in toronto mm. and uh right now in my neighborhood there's this extensive lrt construction project that's been going on for over a decade and it's resulted in over a hundred businesses closing, mostly black businesses. And lots of people are being displaced, condos are being built. And it feels like once the LRT is finished being built, um, none of the people in the community will be around to benefit from it, right? So I wrote an article about this. And part of that was uh, doing research about other 
um, black communities in Canada that had been disenfranchised in similar ways, you know, and then I learned more about Africville, like I had heard about it, you know, uh, in recent years, but it wasn't something that I was taught in school. Right. Mm. So that was one of the things where I was like, okay, it's really important for me to focus on black Canadian history uh, on this record, wherever I can, because it's not in our social studies classes. Like we don't, I, I didn't learn about Africville. I never learned about Amber Valley or like Hogan's alley. Like none of that stuff was, you know, in there. So, you know, uh, I felt like for me, Africville you know, when I say Africville's revenge, it, it, it's, it's whenever, you know, a black Canadian does well today, mm. you know, that was my idea is like, you know, it's like, we are Africville's revenge. Like, you know, they tried to wipe us off the map, but we're still here. Right. Right. Got you. Yeah. That's, and that's kind of the approach I always take, man. Like I, I'm always like, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to beat them by winning. <laughs> Exactly. That you know, like the more success I have, the 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 more I feel like I don't know. I mean, well, no, it's, it's real. Great. It's real. It's like the more you know, like I'm. That's my thing. Is like even by me winning Polaris and like putting Africville in people's face, you know, like it's like it it solidifies the significance of these places and like of Black Canadian culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So um, you actually just got back from a U.S. tour. Uh, how has that been? And as, so, something you said that was kind of funny. Um, you compared, well, it was I think it was somewhere in Texas. You compared to to Edmonton. Yeah, Houston. Houston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the uh, you know, it's the Edmonton of the South. <laughs> I like that. It's the Edmonton of the South, and not uh, Edmonton is the Houston of Canada. I I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's both. Yeah, let's say it's both. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that's like something that I had already thought about because I was on tour with this rapper Fat Tony and he's from Houston. Mm. And so I always felt like we were kind of like mirror images of each other in each other's country. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, we've we've made that uh observation before before that our, our hometowns are quite similar in, in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. So how um how did you feel like find the energy? in the U.S. versus, say, Canada right now, or you're in Toronto. I don't know how much you've been around the rest of Canada. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just back. I just got back to Toronto a couple of days ago. And um, I feel like the energy in America, the way I would describe it, is feral. Jeez. <laughs> I feel like they're just, uh, it's very intense. The energy is very amped up. Um, it didn't feel like there was a global pandemic happening at all. You'd have no <laughs> idea. They were, they've completely moved on from it. Um, but in some ways I feel, felt like they were dealing with it really properly. Like in New York, for instance, like they're super strict about, you know, checking your vaccine status, like everywhere, like people are wearing masks. Like it, it just seemed like they'd figured out a way to continue the lifestyle that they want to have. Right. Right. And, um, I never felt like unsafe on the tour really, but it's just crazy. Cause they're just a little bit further ahead of us in Canada. Right. So it's like, uh, it was a shock to my system at first. But by the mm. end of the tour, I was just like so used to it, like, and not really scared, especially because I had been testing myself too. like, mm-hmm. I came with like a bunch of rapid tests and we were doing them throughout the tour. And like, you know, I had to, you know, take a PCR test, to even like return to Canada. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, I, I was really quite proud of myself for not contracting the <laughs> virus. 
uh on the tour because i was like damn i'm playing in like big venues i'm going to mad shows i'm going to parties going to bars and stuff like it goes to show the vaccines work right right hey there you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it it's it's this like weird thing where um uh, uh, yeah how do you how do you balance it it's it's so scary when i i hear about the statistics coming out of the states but at the same time it's like i agree like if you're testing regularly if you're vaccinated if you're doing all of that stuff then like you can start start to do more i'm I'm happy i get to play basketball again like i just um you know and dude i can't i can't wait until my um (laughs) my pickup league gets gets back going like it's supposed to be uh any day now we're figuring it Uh, out yeah, like I was, I was missing it, and it's, it's just, it's nice to be back. Like, and, um, yeah, it's controversial as it is with the the vaccines checking and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it at least makes people like me who are a little bit more paranoid about COVID to feel safe. So. Oh, you know, I think it should that just it shouldn't be controversial because it makes so much sense. Like, it's like, you know, if you if you're in a spot and you know everyone there's vaccinated you know it's so much more relieving and you can just kind of just honestly if you felt normal like at the mm-hmm. venues like all my shows where um, you had to be vaccinated to go and i remember playing in cleveland like it was like mad people um weren't they were messaging me being like i can't get into your show because i haven't been vaccinated blah, blah blah i'm like bro like you're like ruining your own life <laughs> like you <do> <laughs> like, like you can't go to any shows can't go to the fucking movies like you're not eating at a restaurant you're just like a so- social pariah because you won't get vaccinated like come on man like uh, please at, th- at this point i'm wondering like you see how many people are vaccinated and nothing's wrong with them at what point are you gonna just say oh i guess it is safe know. you know you know they were saying like um black people we have uh uh, vaccine hesitancy but yeah. it's like uh i couldn't have gotten it fucking faster <laughs> i was like get it in me yesterday because like it's the only way i'm gonna be able to tour so like give it to me i don't care guinea pig let's go <laughs> one thing i'm saying is like i you know i've seen covid and i've seen people get a little bit of a headache from getting the vaccine so i'm like i think uh, i'll just take the little the little arm hurt over that yeah um, yeah absolutely (laughs) no it's like crazy like american so many americans i talked to they were just like yeah my friend died from covid like just normal like very casually like i was just like um this seems bad yeah yeah man it's it's yeah this is a this is a very interesting time to say the least crazy ass time to be around crazy time to put out a record (laughs) yeah it's wild it's wild yeah so what, actually, one other thing I want to talk to you about was um, I saw you commented on The Closer. Did you see all of it? I did. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. <sighs> okay, so I have not watched it. Um, and I Chappelle is probably one of my favorite comedians. I love The Chappelle Show I, and all of that stuff. But I'm nervous to watch it because I don't want to think differently about one of my favorites. Um, well, here's the thing, man. Like, I think you should watch it um, because here's my thing. my thing was like Chappelle. I always watch his stuff like he was a big inspiration on this album, mm-hmm. you know, like um, the uh, what is it? Uh, it what, what is the, that special he did on YouTube? It was like 841 or whatever. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that was so one of the most powerful things I saw um, during the pandemic. And I just, it was something that really made me think of like how to do use a form in a different way. You know, like mm-hmm. it was like a really creative use. Like it, it wasn't like funny. You yeah. Know? Like it wasn't yeah. like a comedy thing really. Yeah. It was really powerful, you know? And so that was like something that kind of inspired me, but then watching this, like, I, you know, this is a guy who's like a real hero to me. And then watching the closer, it was just like so mean spirited and so ignorant and uh, and so like, um, you know, puerile, um, like it just really it really hurt to watch it because it's like this is like seeing like your family member do something um, distasteful, you know, like this is like somebody that like I put so much stock into and someone who's really inspired me really um, becoming so out of touch with, you know, modern life, you know, that he, that he's just really you know, it's, you know, th- th- this is what happens when, you, you know, somebody becomes so rich that nobody will say no to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it just felt like, it just felt like he's just surrounded by people who like just parrot his ideas and he's like hanging out with Joe Rogan. Like, it's <laughs> like, you know, it, it's just, he's, he's, he's become one of those guys, you know? Yeah. And it's like, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to cut bait with him after mm-hmm. the special. I, I just can, can rock with it. Yeah, that's that's what my my fear is. I, the last even I've heard him say a little bit of con, kind of statements that kind of seem to me like he's just, you know, I don't get it. So it's gross sort of thing. And that's mm-hmm. it. And and I. I don't know. As this much is my as, thing. This is my thing. This is my thing with like, you know, trans rights, like people are fucking dying. That's the this thing. is this is life or death for, for people, right? You know, yeah. it's like and and who are the people who are dying? They're black people too. This is the other thing that's hurting me. The most disenfranchised, most vulnerable people in our society are black people in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you targeting them? Like, why? Yeah. This shit isn't funny. It's not a fucking joke. Yeah. Like, you know, like it makes me want to like just like we gotta leave you in the past. You can hang out and just like be on your ranch in fucking I I hope I Ohio, you know, and uh, and just do your thing, and we'll just like move on and like be progressive and shit. And because um, I'm, I just really can't rock with it. Like, yeah, it's just really uh, infuriating watching it. I think that's what hurts me the most when I when I talk to uh, Black LGBTQ plus people, and or I just listen. I listen to a lot of podcasts that I hosted by folks in that community and they often talk about the double pressure and double hit that they get because there's racism within that community but then um, black people keep talking to them as if they are separate from the community Um, and uh, there is no overlap and it's like you can be black and and it seems like I know Dave's saying that um he's not going against the LGBTQ plus community, but when you say stuff like black folks aren't getting rights, well, black folks are gay and trans as well. Yeah, no, exactly. It's not an either or thing. Like it's just, it's for me, it's just such a, his whole thing was so shallow and so like surface, like superficial way of addressing what is actually really nuanced intersectional conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just kind of like, why are you, this get, you're not in your lane. This isn't your lane. Like you can't speak to this shit, like back the fuck off, you know? Yeah. 
yeah and it's okay to do that um yeah i'm not sure what and that's i guess it's like why is he trying to die on this hill it's it's very very odd and that's why i just uh, maybe i just gotta you know just watch it so i can you, you gotta watch it but i'll tell you what you won't laugh once the mm. shit is not funny and it's like he's trying to be funny this time and it's like it's just a really uh it was it was hard to get through mm. okay okay yeah gotcha <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's like the opposite of a recommendation, but I'm still telling you to watch it. <laughs> well, no, I think it's important um, because I'm the type of person I don't want to go on record and say, you know, Chappelle is this and he's that without actually, you know, seeing it for myself to, so I can truthfully formulate an opinion. But exactly. That was that was me, too. Like, I was just like, you know, I'm not going to, you know form an opinion without actually watching it right and yeah. it's like but then it's like so many of the trolls who are like kind of defending him online are like well did you watch it to the end <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm like i actually did and that doesn't like help like if you like even like looking in the credits like there's like photos of him with the baby and stuff i'm mm -hmm. like you are He's such trolling. a lo you're such a loser yeah. <laughs> to me like i was like man like i used to really respect you you know yeah like you know uh I don't know about you, but I've definitely had a few white friends who were like, yeah, I can say that and work because so-and-so gave me permission. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, I'm telling you, if you say it in this presence, you might get punched in the face. So right. I would advise against it. So he's kind of, it felt almost like he was, again, I have to watch it to, to really know, but it just seemed like, oh, I have a trans friend and this and that. So therefore. Literally, like he did, he did that. He, he was like, well, I have a trans friend. You know, and that was like his, yeah. No, he's become like an edge lord. That's basically mm -hmm. what's going on. He's just like a Reddit troll who makes millions and uh, has a huge, unbelievably massive audience that he can spew this stuff out to. So right. So actually, with that, do you believe that cancellation exists? Oh he, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, here's the funny thing though with cancellation though is like. All these people are like, uh, he's like, oh, you're canceling people. Or the babies get canceled. All these people are getting canceled. But it's like nothing ever actually happens to them. Right. <laughs> like, right. like, like, you know, like the baby, like he just was playing uh, Rolling Loud like last night again. Mm -hmm. Like nothing, ha nothing happened to him, really. You know, like it's like all these people get to keep their careers. Like is he, there's, it's like what, like R. Kelly and, uh, you know, Weinstein. Pretty much. That's pretty much it. Right. That uh, actually are uh, suffering some consequences like bill cosby got out of jail yeah you want to talk about people being canceled he did he, he didn't he got he got off yeah you know it's like yeah so that's the thing with cancellation like it's not it's like it, it definitely is whether it's real or not like i don't know it's just this kind of like buzzword of right now like um but you know what i find is the people they they continue having like a fine career and a, a comfortable life afterwards typically absolutely that's that's my thing i feel like people crying about getting canceled they just go quiet for a little bit and then they come back and they're fine yeah. that was like when uh gian tried to do a podcast <laughs> yeah right he, and he right. did that art he did that article as well yeah in yeah. In, uh, in the new york review of books is like the worst fucking writing i've seen in <laughs> fucking century <laughs> But yeah, yeah, like, I mean, it's like once you hit a certain level, like there are people that are going to ride for you no matter what you've got, like, you you can't, like, you can't 
truthfully be removed. Um, there's always that a group that'll just ride for you. Um, whether that whether that's a good thing or not, like it's like now it's like the kind of people who are, uh, so, you know, I feel like I have this theory that Chappelle is doing this whole thing to just show how fickle the media is and how fickle like the the left can be like they, they'll turn on you so quickly and it's like kind of um he's just like testing and manipulating the media a, l- a little I, bit i agree and, you <laughs> know and i you know because you know he likes to kind of just like i think that might be his overriding theme he's just like i'm just showing how like man- easily manipulated you all are you know which okay that's a, that's a thing um but if you look now at the the people who are supporting him in in the press, it's like these super like psychotic right wing publications online and stuff. Like they're like, you know, like the Daily Caller and stuff, and like all these like like scary uh, like Breitbart news type places, you know. Um, and it's like, is that really who you want to be on your side? Yeah, you want to be you want to be like with like J.K. Rowling and like, you know, like these you know like it's, it's it's dark shit i don't know Parker carlson and all of them yeah i guess you get to a point where you're like so rich that you're you can just do little experiments with your credibility um mm-hmm. and it's like you know entertain you or something i don't know yeah I, I i wonder if he's doing that too like a live social experiment um but the thing is i, I always feel like both things can be true like maybe the media does over inflate things maybe you know social media is a, a place where people just run with ideas and try to, you know, cancel whatever you want to call it, people. But also maybe you could just respect that certain people are sensitive about certain things and you could just respect that and not go there. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, this really like selfish, like weird way of thinking is just like, well, I can talk about whatever I want. And it's like, yeah. you know, and it's and it feeling like you're oppressed. This is this thing of like everybody sudden all these like super unoppressed people feeling oppressed, you know, like it's like like Dave Chappelle, he might be ending like the the use of the uh, race card here oh, <laughs> because yeah. you, you used to it used to be effective. And I think he might have ruined it with this uh, mm-hmm. with this special because this whole thing being like, you know, it's like, well, you know, trans people haven't had it. You know, I, I wish I had the same PR as lgbq t lgbtq plus people you know mm-hmm. um you know like black people we, we we didn't have these kind of changes blah blah it's like bro you like have ruined the, the race card for us all we can no longer pull the race card yeah and how many times have you heard white edgelords say the same thing about black people being able like you know it being untouchable in those types of situations so like dave it, dave chappelle is probably like how how rich is he he's probably got like hundreds of millions of dollars he has like the largest access to like the largest audience of like probably any entertainer in the world really like at his beck and call um i would argue that he's not oppressed just because he's black yeah he's fine he's he's really doing he he owns a ranch yeah like you know he's doing fine yeah yeah for sure so um let's get back into music sorry we we kind of went off on it it sounds like you're you're trying to get me canceled (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to get myself canceled man i got 
I, I, I see people that are mutual followers with who are like anti-vaccine passports and, and uh, oh God, all, all of that stuff. So they, they're going to be listening to, I, I had a, a childhood friend call me an idiot um, the other day and say that I was a sheep and, and uh, the new world order had gotten my mind. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when when I got when I got um vaccinated, um I posted a photo and on Instagram and one of my aunts in America like sent me she's like you know, you know Bill Gates fucking microchip vaccine shot, you fucking sheep. <laughs> like just a torrent of abuse from my relative. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, God damn, you don't really be knowing. <laughs> uh what's what's actually happening yikes yeah this is, this is yeah we're we're in an interesting time um but i mean it's it's made certain things clear for me so there's that too um yeah so uh when did actually when did the album drop and how can people get it oh yeah yeah so the record drops on april uh 2021 and okay. You can get it anywhere. Like you can get it on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, just any any streaming platform. But also on Bandcamp, I've got vinyl, which are going quite quickly. So if you want to hit that on Bandcamp, get it while you can. Um, yeah, cool. And what was what would you say your favorite song on the album is actually? Mm, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, you know, I love them all, but I think maybe musically, I really like uh, "Play No Games" a lot. Uh. Right? Yeah, I just feel like it's kind of like, you know, it's become one of my signature songs now. I did Trudeau on it. Like, I love the beat, <laughs> beat by a Koreatown Acid. I just feel like it's kind of like my dream music. Like, it's what I always wished I could make some music like. Like, it's like, reminds me of like kind of pirate radio, like early grime music, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like that one too. Um, and not to make this comparison, but I don't think you sound like Kanye, but I, I get Kanye energy, like early Kanye, when Kanye was, well, he's still kind of rebellious, I suppose, just a different kind of rebellious. Oh, yeah, no, no, that's, I, you know, as, as, um, as polarizing as he can be, I, I still see, I see that as a compliment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely have some respect for him. Cool. How much, actually, how much um, in the, of the production did you do on this album yourself? Okay, so this record is one that I didn't produce really at all. Oh. I mean, I, I should say that, you know, even working with other producers, though, like, it's like I'm crafting the overall sound of things. Like, whereas, like, for instance, even that beat, like, it was different when it got to me. But and mm. like I, I kind of, like, made some suggestions of, like, what I was looking for. But then when it came to me, like, I ended up, you know, personally editing it a little bit, just the structure to make it, like, make more sense to me um and i would do little things like that on every track you know or like I'd eliminate certain instruments or like just like little like manicuring it so it would fit like the theme of the record that i wanted to make but um mm-hmm. no i didn't i didn't make any of the beats on this record oh cool but i mean you know what that's like executive producer like a, a D exactly producer. <laughs> exactly so technically i think you still get the produ- production credit um yeah so if there's one thing that you would give as advice to someone trying to make it in the music industry, what would that be? I would say maybe just be original. You know, that's the thing that like, I think has been my greatest strength is that I have always just tried to do something 
that I've never heard before. I try to do things that are, you know, beyond what I've heard in the past or beyond anything I've seen. Like, I just try and do things that are just coming from a different perspective. You know, I feel like people who listen to my music, they expect that from me now. And, you know, it it's created an environment where I can do whatever I want. You know, like every record that I've made has been different from the one before it. And I feel like, you know, if you're a fan of my music, you're you're down to go on the journey with me, you know? And it's like very freeing to create art in that way. Wow. You're not scared to to just completely deviate like that? I'm never scared. I'm never huh. scared. No, this is, in music, that's the time when I'm most comfortable. You know, and and it's like when I'm on stage, that's most time. That's the time when I feel most safe. You know, it's like I'm always down to do like I'm always down to zig when other people zag. Like that's the thing that makes <laughs> that's the thing that makes me me. You know, like I love I love it. I actually love to surprise people. I love to do things that people wouldn't expect. Dope, dope. So, um, how can people find you online? I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm on uh, Cadence Weapon on Instagram, Twitter, you know, Facebook, Meta, whatever it's called. Like I'm on just any platform usually is Cadence Weapon. All oh, right, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. But you got to check out my newsletter, which is on Substack. Oh. It's cadenceweapon.substack.com where I, you know, write essays and talk different stuff. Oh, so it's like 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 an old school blog type thing? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it is like a kind of a throwback to the blog era. Yeah. Ah, okay. All right. That's the I, I didn't know about that. So I'll link to all of that stuff in the show notes. Cool. Right uh, yeah, Cadence Weapon. Thank you for taking the time out to be on Art Pays Me. This was very enlightening. I learned some stuff and I always like to learn stuff. So yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Cool. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langey Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, We're out. Peace.